tell you what, the Spirit of God has been alive and well all morning long. We have not missed one aspect of life today. You know what? The night has passed away, and the sunshine is risen today. You know what? There is not one thing that, that we are prevented from seeing and hearing in this world and in the Lord. We can live as no other people have lived, and we can have the vision of God's creativity today. That is the level that we can have. That is the excitement that we can have every day of our life. Now, um, I would like to start off by making a, a blanket statement that what I'm going to talk about today is that soil, that 160 and 30 fold return soil. And what I'm going to do in my, in my sermon today is I'm going to call us to set a standard to have the depth of the, so that the word in us can produce through the roots the return that we are capable of. So my blanket statement is this, is that I am not saying we don't make mistakes. I am not saying that we don't have to learn. But what I'm saying is, once we have learned, can we move on? Can we minimize our excuses? Can we set the standards of, now notice in, in verse 10 of, of Matthew 13, it says, a hundredfold return, but if that's not good enough for you, we're going to live with a 60-fold return. And if that's not good enough for you, would you live with 30? Now, notice what number is lower than 30 in that verse. Zero. Okay? So, so what I'm going to talk about today is how to have that soil, how to live with that soil, how not to be condemned with error, mistakes. Uh, now, in this verse of Matthew 13, 3 to 9, Jesus lays out in a parable form the four types of soil. And I think we have all been sufficiently Bible readers long enough to know what the four types of soil. But as soon as Jesus gets through uh, talking about the four types of soil and he kind of steps away from the crowd, do you know what in verse 10 uh, through, uh, I think it's 17, the disciples come over and say, Jesus... Why do you speak to folks in parables? And Jesus explains it like this. He says, he says, you know what? He said, there are some folks that got eyes and ears and they can hear. But there's some folks that's got eyes and ears and understanding. See, there's a level of pursuing life where you have to want to understand. Okay, now it's like driving down the road. Uh, I drove to Tulsa yesterday. The speed, once you get west of Joplin, ever, does anybody know what the speed limit goes up to? 75. Okay, I crank her up to 75, hit my cruise control, and did you know there are people still passing me? Okay, now, see, if you, you have to want to get it, to hear it, to see it, if you don't have that want to, then you are like the very first type of soil. Now, remember what that one is? The type of soil. If you don't really want it, the word falls on hard ground, and who comes and takes it? 
The devil. The devil. See, here, here is your want to. And I ask everybody in my Sunday night group, I said, I, I want you to do a life book. Okay, what are the areas that you're, you're constantly being robbed in? See? See, that's, that's the hard part of your life. Okay. Now, another thing in Hebrews 5, um, 11 to 14... Uh, Paul is talking about, and Paul gives us another description of people who don't have the want to. Okay, Hebrews 5, 11, 14. But we have much to say about this, but it is hard to make clear to you because you no longer try to understand. In fact, through by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you the elementary truths of God's word all over again. You need milk not solid food. Anyone who lives on milk, being still an infant, is not acquainted with the teachings about righteousness, but solid food is for the mature, who by constant use have trained themselves to distinguish good from evil. Now notice what it says there in verse 14, who by constant use. Okay, that means your language. Now, be honest. You don't have to tell me. You don't have to raise your hand. Same thing in here. But see, the honest language is when you start dealing with something, do Scripture verses honestly come to your mind? Are you at that level of thinking? See, that's good soil. That's the hundredfold return. If your thinking is, well, I hurt, I'm sick, I don't have whatever the case may be and your thought process is not based on what the word says for you today then I am telling you that you are in the soil where the weeds and the thorns are choking you out that's huge okay now when you seek God first see seek first the kingdom of God and See, when you seek God first, that becomes the seed. That becomes the soil. That becomes the place that God can say, I can give a hundred times what they just made a commitment to. Okay. Now, you're not rewarded because you get it right you get it warded because you're not going to let the weeds and the rocks and the, and the thorns grow there. You get rewarded for consistency. Okay? Now, what is bound on earth is bound in heaven. God made that promise. Agreed? Okay, so therefore, if you make that commitment, will you not in some way, shape, or form move forward? Amen. Amen. Just simple as that. I don't understand how it works, but you know what? I'm going to do the working thing. God can only bless the work of your hands. Okay? Quitting is killing opportunity that God could be doing in your life. See, if being satisfied with what the world has to offer, being satisfied with what is happening in our community, our society now, is killing the opportunity that God has for you, your home, your community, and your country. So good soil does not have quitters. Okay? Another example of this is like hitting a home run. 
The ball goes over the center field fence, and that's the furthest distance from home plate. And you hit that ball, and it goes, and it's going over the fence. And you run, and you get to third base, and you stop. And they get that ball back in play, and they throw you out and tag you out. See, if you don't have the desire to finish, pursue, there's no difference between hitting a home run and being thrown out on third and striking out. You're out. Is anybody tired of losing? Anybody tired of quitting? Anybody tired of the mouth, that, that the words that have been coming out of their mouth? Yeah, yeah. Now, see, I've got two verses for you, and if nothing else this week, they're very simple, very short verses. I would ask for you not only to meditate them, but just come to, to honest conclusion with yourself. The first one is Psalms 119, verse 89. And if you want to look that up, I'll, I'll give a, a slight moment. Okay, the word of God is eternal. It stands firm in the heavens. See, do you believe that God has got a, a plan that has good soil, a hundredfold return at the minimum, and it is established in heaven and not ever going to fail? Do you believe that someone can, that 10,000 people can be throwing rocks at you like Stephen and God will, God will not stand up and notice? If, did I say that right? See, see, if his word is eternal, <clears throat> God is standing up <clears throat> for that man or woman. Are you the type of person that God will stand up for? The second verse I would like for you to uh, consider today is Jeremiah 1, 12. Jeremiah 1, 12. Jeremiah, God is talking to Jeremiah. God is preparing Jeremiah for his ministry. And he is showing him some, some visions. He's showing him some uh, connections. And God is saying, tell me what you see. And Jeremiah is responding with what he sees. And God says, you're right. You're, you are seeing correctly. And then the last part of verse 12, it says, says, you have seen correctly, for I am watching to see that my word is what? Performed, Perform, fulfilled. <clears throat> you see, when God's word is eternal... When God's word, and you say, you know what, God? <clears throat> if your word says it, it will be fulfilled in my life. See, that is that is the basic elements of good soil. That's why your language has to be the word of God in every situation. <clears throat> That's why your, your, your walking, talking, and thinking has got to be towards him at all times and places okay now <clears throat> i would like for you then at your own leisure go back through matthew 13 18 to 23 seeing jesus gives an in-depth explanation 
of what what the good soil is. In verse 19, it says, it says that uh, it is stolen away. What has been stolen? So in other words, the evil one comes, John 10, 10, says the evil one comes, but to steal, kill, and destroy. So in other words, if the enemy can't steal it, he can't destroy it. Now, remember the verses that talk about robbing the strong man's house? You got to do what first? Binding. Tie him up. So therefore, in that verse, you and I are the strong man. See, if Satan can get you and me to make an excuse that the reason the word of God is not true, he's tied us up. That word can't work. Okay? Now, so therefore, I want want you to uh, read through uh, 19 through 23, um, but also underline in your Bible where you are willing to live your life. I'm willing to be a hundredfold return person, or I'm willing to be a 25-fold return person, or a 60-fold return person. See, when you read these, you've got to decide, hey, okay, now what's the end game? What's the score going to be in my life? The older I get, the more I am more committed now to launching the attack taking more ground, never saying no, but being able to to do all things in my day job. Now consider these thoughts. Remember the madman of Gadara story? Jesus and the disciples get in a boat and the storm comes up. This is the story where Peter uh, walks on water. Remember that they make it to shore and the, the, and the, the demon-filled man Runs up, falls down at Jesus' feet. Jesus heals him. He's in his right mind, clothed in his right mind. You know, the hogs become part of the story in the whole nine yards. But this is the point I want you to take from that thought. Remember how many demons was in that guy? How many? Legion. What was a legion? Roughly in numbers. Throw a number out. 6,000, 3,000, 5,000. Let me ask you this. If a man can have the potential of 5,000 evils, how much righteousness can you have? Can you not exceed the hundredfold return? See, if the enemy can only have, let's say, let's make the story big. If the enemy can only have 6,000 bad guys, 100 times 6,000 is what? How much? See, think of yourself. Can you think of yourself as six million times bigger than the enemy around you? See, that's why when Scripture says, submit yourself to the Lord, resist the devil, and he will what? That's how it works, because you are that much bigger then he does scripture not say that the least is stronger than any evil that can come against us. 
Yes, it does. Okay. Um, now, what you don't resist becomes part of the kingdom of the devil. I use that verse about submit yourself to God, resist the devil, and he'll flee from you. See, what you don't resist gives him the authority, gives the devil the authority to use against you. See, now, what are, what are the resistance things you need to get better at? The resistance things are the submission things. See, resist the devil, which means now I am now submitting God in my place, in my thoughts, in my mind. See, now, when, when God says, now, there is somebody I can work with, because, see, he is resisting this, he is submitting to me, so therefore that is how the blessings from heaven come back into you. Name one thing, just one thing that you know you need to get, get your arms around and quit. Put that in your life book. And you'll become multiple times stronger in that. Now, here's another example of... Uh, Consistency is the road to the presence of God. A double-minded man is what? Unstable in all his ways. Now, we've all been on some type of boat in some capacity or another, but based on the size of the wind that blows against you is how stable the boat is. See, we can, have, we, we can be in a canoe and a, way, and a wind comes up and it's very, but if you're in a huge boat and the same size wind comes up, it's nothing. See, but so therefore, based on what comes against you, consistency, and what I'm talking about today is the road to God's presence. Now, the greatest example that we have for consistency is Romans 4, 19 to 20. Now, Abraham is considered the father of our faith. Okay, so therefore, that's why I picked this one here. Because, see, if we can use Abraham, then therefore, what I need to believe about how to get my good soil so that the plant will grow and the harvest will come, Romans four nineteen to 20. Without weakening in his face, faith, he faced the fact that his body was as good as dead. Since he was about a hundred years old and Sarah's womb was also dead, yet he did not waver through unbelief regarding the promises of God, but was strengthened in his faith and gave glory to God. See, consistency. This guy, this guy had to be consistent for a long, long time. See, if, if he would have backed up and said, well, I know God is able. I just don't know where they will. See, Abraham was saying, God said it, I believe it, and it is going to happen. Get a jar of pablum or whatever baby food is called now and get ready. Get a, get a bag of diapers, and we are going to be using them. You see, that's what Abraham was, was believing and saying. See, but what the enemy is going to do against you, and I know you have already experienced this, is that he wants to make... During your time of waiting and persistence, he wants to take away your peace. 
He wants to create a situation with a set of facts that's going to steal your peace. And what I would like to use as an illustration for for stealing your peace is uh, Daniel chapter 3. 13 to 30. This is the Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego story. And uh, you may or may not know it, but in Daniel uh, uh, chapter chapter 1, verse 6, the names we've gotten to know these guys were not there, was not their God-given born names. Yeah. And so uh, Hananiah, whose name was Yahweh is gracious, became Shadrach which meant moon god Aku. Mishael, whose name means he who belongs to God, became Meshach, which means I became weak. And Azariah means Yahweh has help. And he became Abendigo, which means lament and wailing. Now why would, under times of pressure and stress, would the enemy want us to start seeing and thinking different? See, if the enemy can get you to change your name from son of God to, you know, that passed away with the apostles. If he can get you to believe and doubt your faith, then when he really puts the pressure to you, you're going to fold and run every time. Now look at Daniel chapter 3. Now you guys all remember the basic story. Um, Israel had been captured, gone into bondage. They only kept the smart ones. They only kept the ones that could really produce something for the enemy. And so these guys were part of that group of, that were retained. And, uh, but they had to change their, their religious affiliation. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego... We're told that when the music plays, when the church organ pipes up, you got to bow down to the gods of that land. And they said they weren't going to do it. Okay? Now, they were the only ones that would not do it. Now, out of the hundreds of thousands or however many slaves that were retained, they were the only ones uh, that had to face this test. Let me ask you this. Have you and your family had to face the test alone? Maybe you and your wife. Maybe a medical situation where it could be life or death. And all of a sudden, boom, what are you going to believe? Where are you going to stand? Now look at verse 19 in chapter 3. Okay. Now Nebuchadnezzar had decided he was the king, and he was decided that, that, that these three men were going to bow down. Now, in verse 19, then Nebuchadnezzar was furious. Now, the enemy will turn up the heat on you to get you to change. Now, has anyone here ever experienced pressure? Okay, is there any pressure in our society today against Christians. Absolutely. 
Absolutely. But I want to encourage you that every place they've turned up pressure, we don't have to say and stand for it. There is nothing that can stop us from praying in schools. Nothing can stop us from praying in courts. Nothing can stop us from being the examples of obeying the law. Okay, but see, the enemy wants you to act like them. Okay, now this is the cool part of this story, and and you guys are familiar with it, so I'm just breathing through it here, is that Nebuchadnezzar is furious. Um, So he talks to Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and his attitude towards them changed. So in other words, man, there's such a thing as mad, and then there's really mad. So, So in other words, man, I tell you what, if I can't intimidate you to... Let me steal from you. I'm going to turn up enough pressure where you'd be glad to give it to me. So he got mad. He got really mad. And he ordered that the heat of the furnace be brought up seven times harder than usual. Now, I have no idea how you you uh, make something hotter. But around here, I have wood fire at my house. Well, we have the best wood to burn is just dried oak, as far as I'm concerned. But... If you have any Osage Orange, have you got any of that? Holy moly, whoo! It takes a little of that to go a long ways. So there's a way to make fire hotter if you know what you're doing. So now, these guys must have knew how to get that fire seven times hotter. Now, why would the enemy want to make something so intimidating because he wants to find out where you're going to say no. Maybe maybe a problem this time you get past, but next time it's twice as hard. Three times as hard. Four times as hard. How about seven times? Eight times as hard. You ever heard anybody say, well, I have never experienced anything like this in my life. I have never seen anything like this life. That's that's a fire being turned up multiple times. But now this is the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Is that uh, verse 20, Nebuchadnezzar commanded some of the strongest soldiers in his army to tie up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and throw them into the blaze. The strongest thing that the enemy can ever do. See, That's what I'm trying to say. See, the enemy is there because he thinks he's going to whip you and he's only going to submit the enemy to beat you. Now, see, where I'm going with this, and I may not be doing a good job, but where I'm going is, is that, hey, tied them up and they threw them in the fire. But what happened to the guys who threw them in the fire? They died. See, the enemy attacking you will destroy him if you'll stand in your faith if you'll decide that it will give me that if i survive this test i will have the soil to produce the return see if the enemy so therefore when the problem starts you can even pray this oh thank you for showing up my life is now going to get better (laughs) <laughs> because I am more than a conqueror through Christ Jesus who strengthens me. Now, isn't that what happened here? Now, they throw them in the fire. The guys throw them in the fire, get killed by their own 
destructiveness. And the, and the king looks down and he says, whoa, whoa, whoa. He says, there was three guys. Wasn't there just three guys we threw in the fire? And his, all his advisors said, that's right, king. That's absolutely right. The king says, but I see four. Okay, see, the Lord will be with you if you do not quit. Okay, the test that the enemy will bring against you is how you get your thicker, deeper, better soil. See, that, 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 that's really cool to me. Uh, by living a higher and committed life is the test you're going to take, but it's also the depth you'll receive. By living in a higher, committed life, you will determine how thick your soil is. Okay? Now, uh, now, if I, if, if I said this, there's level one living, which is we got nothing, level four living, level two, three, and four. So if I now use the phrase level four, that's where I'm coming from. So, I'm, so now I'm saying now, if you decide I'm going to have a level four life. Okay? Now, Ephesians 3, 17 to 20. Ephesians 3, 17 to 20. Now I'm going to talk about some of the elements of your dirt. Okay? Now, this is what God, when God plants His Word, He is looking for this because this is the best dirt. So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you being rooted and established in love. Interesting how they threw that word rooted. And I pray that you being rooted and established in love may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ and to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. <clears throat> that is your verse that describes the soil you want to live in. Length, depth, width. Tell me what area of life is left out here. Tell me what thought process is left out here. Tell me what situation you can face that's, that's not included here. We have everything. But you see, you have to want everything to get everything. In my company, I make people laugh uh, because I tell them my company motto. And I've got my men believing this. See, we're not the needy, we're the greedy. See, we, we don't go on a job thinking that we're going to just break even. I got my men believing we're going to go out there and make as much money as possible, and they are going to be as successful as possible, and I'm going to pay them as much as possible. See, that's what God is telling us here. God wants you to be greedy. Don't be satisfied with less. Be hungry for all that he has to offer. Okay? Now, I want you now to step back and we're going to start landing this airplane this sermon here a little bit 
and start being honest with yourself. What is, what is your soil honestly like? What's the honest answer of your life? That's the area of repentance where we need to go. Um, now, another example of a direction, a standard, is like uh, Matthew 8, 7 to 13. And now we're going to get kind of a little serious here. Seriouser. And this is the uh, centurion story. He had a sick servant. And I'm sure we've read that and, and we know the, the, sir, the story. Centurion, we know what he is, Roman soldier in charge of a lot of people, so forth. But he comes up and says, my servant is sick. Jesus says, let's go healing. Now, remember what the centurion said? He said, he said, no, you don't have to go. All you have to do is what? Speak the word and my servant will be healed. Now, Jesus's response to that in verse 10. Uh, and Jesus heard this and he was amazed and said to those following him. So in other words, so when Jesus heard this, Jesus is saying, okay, teaching point, important. He's talking to those that can comprehend and understand. He's saying, this is a huge issue now for you to take. Now look what he says in verse 10. <clears throat> okay, I say to you that many will come from the east and from the west and will take their places at the feast with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven, but the subjects of the kingdom will be thrown outside into darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. So what I'm trying to say is that if you are not pursuing the presence and all that God has to offer, you are going to be surprised. Your faith and spiritual growth and maturity if it is not at the point where I had better become a meat eater, you're in trouble. That's huge. That's huge. See, God so loved the world that he gave. For why? So that we can take. See, God so loved the world. Jesus is saying, saying, man, this is huge. Your faith, the dirt you live in, is huge. What you're willing to live with it has eternal prospects. Okay. Now, if you have to have proof that the Word of God is true, I'm going to tell you to your face, your faith is false. If you've got to have proof... You ain't got faith. I'm going to tell you to your face that everything about you is in question. See, if you're not living at that place where you are getting that return, you're in trouble. So see how serious level four living is? See how serious it is about living with excuses? 
you see how it is such an eternal thing? So I'm going to end it with this. Um, you can live God's expected life of a mature believer. You can. So because in Matthew 13, 23, Jesus explains it like this. He says, but the seed falling on good soil refers to someone. Are you a someone? Are you that person? Yeah. To someone who hears the word and understands it. So in other words, are you alive or dead on the inside? You're alive. Who understands it? This is the one who produces a crop yielding a hundred, sixty, and thirty. See what Jesus is saying here. If you if you're alive on the inside, this is the life that is expected. This is the heavenly life that is expected. So therefore, start living life like your name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life, and it ain't coming out. See, start living today like every test you'll be going through has an expected end for your good. Control your mouth and do not sin against God. Are you ready to get out of the boat in the middle of life's storms that you're going to face? Are you ready to get out of that boat? Is the sound of the wind and the waves going to be stronger than your faith? Okay. Do you believe that in you facing this problem that you can proclaim the goodness of God and say, Peace, be still. And that storm is going to come to an end. It may be nighttime, but guess what's coming in the morning? Amen. See, that verse just popped right into your head, didn't it? What's coming in the morning. Finally, live every day believing that the power that raised Christ from the dead resides in you. See, live every day believing that that purity and strength that no weapon formed against anything could stop Jesus from, from accepting, receiving, becoming our sin descended into hell, destroyed every work of the devil. And not only that, but, but God made a spectacle. So in other words, put him on parade, showed everybody and everything in the spirit world how destroyed the devil was. See, live every day that the same power that raised Christ from the dead resides inside you. Live every day realizing <clears throat> that when you got saved, your flesh was crucified with Christ. So if it was crucified, it was also raised. Live every day like a raised man or woman from the dead of the old things. Now, one of the verses I want to leave you with is Numbers 14.28. And we all know the story, and we all say, oh, man, those dumb Israelites. How in the world could they be what they were? I mean, see what they saw, experience what they did. You know, all of them, over 20 years of age, died in the desert, never made it to the promised land. But this was the critical verse that changed this. 
where after a while, when God is hearing someone say, you know what? (sighs) Nothing works for me. Every time I try something, it fails. You know, no one will help me. You know, whenever God hears this long enough, then he'll say this. uh, Numbers 14, 28. Look what he says. He told this to Moses. He says, go down and tell Israel. Go, go tell them, as surely as I live, declares the Lord, I will do to you the very thing I heard you say. That's huge. See, your future's in your mouth. Your future's in your commitment. Your future is in your willingness not to stop. Your future for your children and your grandchildren and your grandchildren's children is in you. And that's how serious this soil you live in is. Because if you want to be just left where you're at, it's up to you. But if you need to commit and repent today, I suggest we do it here, we do it today, we do it now. Lord, I didn't understand. Lord, I've been wrong. Lord, I need your language. Lord, I'm coming to you as a little child. Lord, I want to make a change today. I want to quit living as less and become more than a conqueror through Christ Jesus. Now, most church folks won't do this. Most, most church folks won't uh, raise their hand and say, Lord, that's me. But I'm going to tell you, if you don't stand up and be different, you won't be different. That's why I'm calling you today. And that's why I took this time here, because this is such an important topic for us as believers. Lord, I repent. So I'm calling each one of you now to reflect inside yourself. What are the areas of your life that are the weedy, the dry, the dead, the lost? Amen.